Storygoers, and welcome back to another episode of Tales from the Cartridge, the video game storytelling podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Eric Penrod. And I will be other co-host, Ryan Bauer. Ryan, January's gone. I don't even know what it's happened done. to it. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. The first month of 2021, already gone. I I don't know if I'd say it's it's been better. It's been it's been interesting, though. Mm-hmm. It's been kind of crazy. It's been, yeah. At least for me personally, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. How are you, and uh, what have you been playing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, I've been playing still a bunch of Oxygen Not Included. I finally have, like, a stable base. Nice. Um, I'm on every every day is called a cycle. I'm on a cycle, like, 200 and something. Wow. Um, so we've been going strong for 200 cycles. I Just before we hopped on this, I was, like, redoing my power grid because I'm having some power issues, um, but that's okay. And I've also been, I don't know if you saw, but the PlayStation game of the month was um, Tomb Raider. Um, the third Tomb Raider game. And I was kind of missing like a game to sit on my couch and play. So I downloaded Tomb Raider, I booted it up, and I played probably about five hours of it. And I was like, this is just kind of like a bad Uncharted that I want to play Uncharted. Oh. So it, it, it's it's a fine game. It's I, If you enjoy those types of games, go for it. But just like the mechanics was kind of meh. The story was kind of, and I, I missed the second game, so I'm sure that's a part of it too. But <laughs> long story short, I've I've been replaying all the Uncharted games with my partner, so um, we've been kind of taking turns playing through. We we skipped the first one because we just did the episode on it, so we used that to fill in the gaps, and we jumped into Uncharted Two, which is a really wonderful game, and now we're on Uncharted Three, which is a game with I think that it was one of my least enjoyed when I played it, and now I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying oh. kind of the dynamics. It'll it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Um, but I'm really enjoying it, so that's been really fun, is to play those those games again. So yeah, I've been playing Oxygen Not Included and Uncharted, and then a little bit of Raft with you and uh, our friend Dave. Yes, yes, our good friend Dave, who was on uh, our Assassin's Creed episode, we were playing some mm-hmm. Raft. And might I say, our Raft is looking real nice. It <laughs> it's looking, looking very nice. good. It's like a mobile <laughs> yeah. fortress at this point. <laughs> yeah. I just patrol it. I basically, you guys basically do like all the radio stuff, and you're like kind of like doing all the all the smart guy stuff and i just have my spear and was running around the raft <laughs> in circles waiting for that shark <laughs> just to get that shark i want that i mean as it's funny as the vegetarian i'm looking to actively kill this shark to mount a second shark head on the wall <laughs> like a sadist it's, it's gotta be symmetrical yeah yeah um I, yeah it's really about that symmetry in our boat i think it's what we mm-hmm. need um mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah out of curiosity not to not to hang up on it, i I'm, I'm surprised that you feel like uncharted 3 was like your least of the favorite it's as much as you thought yeah surprised to hear that yeah and i don't know i don't know why i think it was just like it it was the game i remember least like playing through it now i don't remember anything that happened in that game and maybe it was because after uncharted 2 i enjoyed uncharted 2 so much and going back and playing it it still holds up really well but now going to 3 there's parts of 3 like i really like like more i like i enjoy more than 2 so it's it's really it's been really interesting to go back because it's been so long since I've played those games. I think Uncharted Two came out in like two thousand nine, so it's been a long time. So so it's been really nice to go back. But yeah, that's the game that I just like I didn't remember at all. I don't know if it's just like the setting didn't draw me in as much. But yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying the characterization, especially like we'll talk about actually in this episode yeah. is the characterization between Nate and Zolly that they kind of really heavily focus on in that game. Yeah, it, it's it's really. It's very interesting. That's what I liked most about that was the the, the building of Sully and, and Nate's relationship. So I think I kind of feel like uh, in number two, Elena and um, Chloe, Zoe, Chloe, Chloe, Chloe. Yeah. Chloe's relationship was kind of expounded upon, and like what Nate really wanted to do with himself. So that's what kind of what I was seeing from that one at least. Uh, but three, I really liked because I just loved seeing more of that history between Nate and Sully so interesting to me because like you already know there's so much there so it's Mm -hmm. like you know the idea of unpacking it it's like oh yeah let's do it let's unpack it (laughs) so cool yeah, yeah, very cool. It's awesome. You're going back to those games. They're so good. They're yeah, so they're good. so good. They're so good. They're they're and they they're still just like this really fun roller coaster ride. There's part of me that like back back when I played it the first time, and this is gonna be a long tangent, so just just buckle in, everyone. Back when I back when I played it the first time, I like I I liked like the cool adventure stuff, and but and the shooting was fun. And now I'm like kind of like I just want to be all done with the shooting. It get back to like exploring these areas and talking to Solly. Like, I'm yes. just kind of all done with the fighting. I, I Like, there's a part of me that kind of hopes if they bring it back, they kind of pull back a bunch on that. Um, I don't think they will because mm-hmm. it feels pretty core to their to their games. But I think that would yeah. be really cool just to make it where there's some kind of combat. But, like, the melee combat I enjoy, but the shooting, man, I just, it, it, it it's, it's just fine. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so I was expecting you to be sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's just fine. <laughs> it's fine. I'd be cool if, if Uncharted became like, like kind of like walking simulator, where it's just Nate yeah. slowly doing jokes and being sarcastic to each other back and forth for like a couple hours. And I'd be cool with it personally. Yeah, I mean, solving riddles. And honestly, I was thinking about it. They kind of, depending on what they do, if they go the route I think they're gonna go, they have a route where maybe they could do that, where yeah, it doesn't have really to be do. like this violent shooter. Not that, not that I think they're saying they're wrong with violent shooters. They're, they're very fun games, and they, they do not cause any any other violence in other humans. I feel oh, very no. strongly about that. But but yeah, I, I, I think I think you could, it could still be a really incredible wild ride with the climbing and the cinematic moments. Just the gunplay, I just didn't. I'm not enjoying too much. But yeah, yeah, yeah. it is a little wonky. I remember feeling a little. I mean, I say that as someone who with you played Uncharted 2's online multiplayer quite often, and. I wasn't good at it, but I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> yeah, that was very fun. That was very fun. Yeah, and, and I I don't know if it's, like, the mechanics are okay, but it just, I I don't know. I think, again, it's that cognitive dissonance between Nate, this plucky, funny, wonderful guy, and his, his group of friends just murdering hundreds of people. Yeah, there's um, a lot of dead yeah, bodies. A yeah, lot yeah. of dead bodies. But, one, of those bo- one of those people definitely had a kid. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Uh, Yeah, and also in Uncharted 3, every NPC is a bald English dude, which is really interesting. I don't remember that. I don't know why. I don't know why that is. But yeah, everyone's a bald English dude. It's fine. I mean, their time is coming, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I say that as we talked about earlier yesterday, how we had like a few downloads in in Great Britain. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, anyone in the... You know, Great Britain area or anything like that. I apologize for that joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, so cool. I'm glad you. I'm glad you're replaying yeah. this. Game. I'm very interested to hear uh, how you feel about uh, the end of Uncharted Three. If you feel like yeah. you have more of it this time than the first time or whatever. And very cool. Keep us in. Keep us in the loop with that. We'll do. We'll do. But how are you? What have you been playing, Eric? I'm good. I'm good. It's a rough week at work. I'm trying to get things. So I, I keep being told at my job that it's going to take about a year to get used to anything, so that sucks. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm trying to just keep a level head and remember that I don't think I'll be fired for anything. Like, you know, I mean, as long as it's not too serious, if I make mistakes, then it's like, you know, they'll forgive and forget, which is great. Um, but after what I'm playing, uh, I have been playing... It's been kind of a weird week. I've been playing a lot of Hades. I, uh, I recently finished Miles Morales, like I said a few episodes ago. Uh, which is great. I loved it. Um, but I haven't had a, a need to want to go back. I almost thought about playing the original Spider-Man, 2019 Spider-Man again, but I just haven't had that like desire to like I thought I did. So I've been playing kind of just more easygoing, pick-up, put-down games uh, like Hades. I'm on Heat 32. Oh, my goodness. I've made it to Hades, and it's impossible. I don't know how <laughs> no. people do it. I go, I get to, every time I get to Hades, I'm at no, no extra lives, no other, what are they called? Jeez, Death Defiance. Know. Death Defiance, Yeah. Because freaking Theseus and the Minotaur keep destroying me. Yeah. They destroy me. I am doing great until I get to that point, and they absolutely just wreck me. And then I have no death defiances. I don't get any more in the the last area of Hades, and it's it's just a mess. So I am trying my best. Spear is still the best weapon in Hades. Don't at me. I know I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> and then my girlfriend and I have actually started getting back into playing the best video game console of all time that's right storygoers the second genesis no i'm kidding <laughs> Sorry. i even got really excited for that i apologize no even playing our n64 again which is it's exciting it is a blast from the past it has been so much fun i surprised her and i bought pokemon snap which is like one of her favorite games on the n64 and i have been thoroughly surprised by how much she remembered it like in that game compared to me like it it blew my mind all the small things in that game that you could do to get different pictures and to set things off that she remembered and i just i i just i remember playing the game all the time and knowing all the secrets or, or thinking that i did at least and she knows she retained way more than me and i'm I, i'm always like thoroughly impressed um i keep joking that this has brought us back from the brink <laughs> i said that to my mom and she was legitimately worried <laughs> maybe not i don't know um Oh, that's but we've been playing a lot of Pokemon Snap. I uh, I threw on Majora's Mask again just to kind of play it and just to throw myself back in that world for a little bit. And it's so funny that like I played some 
I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but like if I went back and played a game that scared me when I was like a young child, I don't think it would scare me anymore. But when I played, when I put in Majora's Mask, I turned it on and the title screen came on, that like 10-year-old me fear like was just kind of in the pit in my stomach. Like I just kind of felt it again. And it was just, and especially because it, like, it was in the old graphics again. It was how I remember it looking and it's just... It really made me feel uncomfortable, but like, but in a you know not in a in a bad way, I guess. It it sounds like an oxymoron. I was I was uncomfortable, but not in a bad way. <laughs> I don't know how that real how that works. It's a but. good uncomfortable. <laughs> but it, it was just it just felt very strange to be back in that game again, and and I I'm actually planning going back and playing it very soon. I, I would like to to beat that game again. Ironically, in in about an hour or so, I'm going to get a, a tattoo consultation, and the tattoos will be Majora's Mask related, which is really cool. <laughs> that's really cool. So I I also decided that's probably my favorite game of all time is Majora's mm-hmm. Mask. I think mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's how we are doing, Story Growers. We hope you are doing well as always. Um, we have had a lot of traction uh, throughout the world, which is really cool. In Norway, Denmark, Czech Republic, always Canada. Thank you, Canada, our brothers in arms. Uh, uh, Great Britain, <laughs> even Ireland and Australia, which is like, oh, that, yeah, it's so cool. Blows my mind. Yeah, it's so cool to think people actually listen to us um, and and enjoy it. <laughs> it's the enjoying part that's that surprises me the most. That's awesome. <laughs> so thank you so much, Storygoers. We really appreciate it. And as always, uh, we hope you enjoyed our January stories. We really put a lot of effort into them. The Baldur's Gate episode was amazing. Uh, Jesse killed it, and I. I keep telling Ryan I feel self-conscious and I feel like I need to do better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but let us know what your favorite is uh, of January or in general. If you have one that you really liked, let us know because we would love to talk about it. And, uh, and again, email us, comment on all our posts on social media, or not all, but comment on a post on social media, or DM us. Uh, our email is talesfromthecartridge at gmail.com. All the E's are threes. Let us know what your favorite game is. Give us your thoughts, feelings, and perspectives on whatever games really like connected with you and and get those out there because we love to read them and we love to talk about them even if you don't agree with how we felt in the episode that's even better we would love to get different perspectives to see if maybe ours would change too maybe something that we thought was really cool isn't as cool as we thought or vice versa maybe something that we thought wasn't like important was way more important than we realized that's the kind of stuff that we really love to just sink our teeth into weird i don't like see all these and all these things and comparisons i'm making all these similes and stuff i just they're not jiving with me today ryan i'm not doing too well. yeah 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 it's all right <laughs> but today today in our dlc episode dlc episode number four we are talking about relationships it is february the the month of love is that right something like that yeah it's yeah, the yeah. month of commercialized love <laughs> yes of course capitalistic <laughs> love <laughs> capitalistic love yeah. show your love by buying thought, things yeah see <laughs> valentine got together and thought you know it'd be really cool if we just made people buy stuff for each other on this one day and showed affection that they should be showing all year round but just really on this one day yeah that's, yeah, that's great do. yeah let's Thank let's you. really let's in a really healthy way attach the amount you care for someone to the amount you spend on that person. I think that's a right. really healthy yeah, and really good healthy. way to yeah validate your relationship <laughs> through through dollars. Everyone knows that we all have ample amounts of money to spend on one another to show our love. Mm-hmm. That there's no mm-hmm. one out there that doesn't. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I mean. I'm just saying because. No, I'm really poor. <laughs> I bought Pokemon Snap. I feel like that's a really good way to show someone that I care. Yeah, I that is. Pokemon Snap. Yeah, so, that's pretty meaningful. It, yeah. it was really pricey. <laughs> it was like more. I mean, it wasn't for N64 game. It was pricey. It was like twenty-five ish dollars, which is way more than I thought it was gonna be. But it was fun. I, I, I'm happy I bought it. I'm buying Snowboard Kids next. And if anyone knows what Snowboard Kids is for the N64, you're really cool, and you probably rented that game in your local grocery store as a kid like me. And we could probably be best friends. So just saying. But today's episode, we are focusing on relationships, not only just your stereotypical romantic relationship. Yeah. Uh, we are also focusing on parental relationships or just any kind of relationships in general that, you know, shows care and love in different ways. As I think that love, like most things, is kind of on a, on the spectrum of, of, you know, how people give and receive it, what love languages are, they are. Because I just learned about love languages, which I think are mm-hmm. very interesting yeah. um, and eye-opening. So, yes, yeah, so that's what this episode is all about. So if you have a game that you think is a really good representation of love and, and how that looks to you and, and represents you, 
or any of the games that we talked about, please let us know because we would love to talk about that in a future episode. So, without further ado, Ryan, would you like to start us on this trip of love? Yeah, I, sounds, I would love. That sounds wrong with the first game we talk about. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I would love to. Um, so. Oh, oh. Uh, for both our first games, yeah, big spoiler alerts. Um, we're not going to dive too deep into these things um, because I don't want to spoil them. I don't think either of us do. But just keep in mind that even talking about it in, in general terms could possibly spoil something. So um, keep that in mind and maybe skip ahead five. I don't know how long we'll ramble on this. But, but yeah, just, just keep that in mind that both my first game and Eric's first game are going to be a little spoilery. So um, some... We're, we're not going to get into spoilers, but just talking about them is inherently spoilery. So uh, my first game is Red Dead Redemption 2 between Arthur Morgan and John Marston. And this is a really interesting relationship. And over the course of the game, you see it shift and change. But they are, they are effectively brothers, both of them raised by Dutch, who is kind of one of the main characters in this game and was a really big part of the first game as well. The reason their relationship is so interesting and the reason that I was so interested by it is we as players, um, if you're playing Red Dead 2, have already been John Marston. And, and I love John Marston. He's such a cool and interesting character. By comparison, Arthur Morgan is not really likable at the beginning of the game. He's kind of this thug who you don't really care for, and you're just not really interested in him. He's kind of this... He's not as interesting a character. Over the course of the game, he gets much more interesting and well-developed and effectively becomes this... It's it's one of the best arcs in in any video game I've ever played as far as a a character's progression is, Arthur Morgan's. And effectively, um, John Marston is Arthur Morgan's redemption. He is... Which makes playing as John Marston so much more meaningful because they care so much about each other, and Arthur specifically cares so much about John and his future, that he's willing to do lots of things to, to make sure he can be successful in, in this way that then makes John Marston's story so much more meaningful. I think that's all I can probably get into. But it's, it's a really great relationship. It's two kind of gruff dudes who really care for each other, and, they're, and they, they don't do a great job of communicating it that I remember, but you can tell that it's there. Again, their love language is through um, they a- acts of kindness or acts of support. They do things for each other. That is how they communicate that they care about each other. But yeah, it's, it's a really interesting dynamic, um, and it, it changes a lot over the course of the game. I have yet to play Red Dead Redemption 2. I've played one, and we did Undead Nightmares on, this, on the show, which mm-hmm. <laughs> is one of yeah. my favorite episodes. So I, I remember liking John Marston as well a lot. He's a very interesting person who, like, he's one of those characters I strangely, you can, like, strangely relate with, I guess, mm-hmm. in a sense. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but um, uh, he's very interesting. And so I have not played Red Dead Redemption 2 yet, but I like the idea of Arthur Morgan being this person who changes based on possibly this relationship with John Marston, I'm guessing. Do you feel like you mentioned that he's kind of this, like, awful person in the beginning of the game and that kind of changes? Do you think that's intentional? through this relationship or just in they're just yeah yeah completely completely intentional i mean one of the things about arthur morgan is that he is loyal to a fault and they kind of the game and the story does this incredible job of kind of toying with that idea but yeah i i think i think they they set up arthur as this as this type of character and it can be because of that loyalty that loyalty over the case of over the course of the game shifts and it's that shift that eventually leads to Arthur's redemption. And one of the things in Red Dead that um, I didn't particularly participate in a bunch, but there's this like good guy and bad guy system. I, I again, like we've talked about, did the did the good guy outcome. So my ending was was different. But but yeah, yeah, yeah. There, he certainly changes. I think that is the game. Red Dead Redemption Two is about Arthur Morgan and his change in the same way that. Red Dead Redemption 1 is about John's. Although I think John Marston, like you said, is a really cool, interesting, and relatable character. He doesn't change a ton over the course of his his game. His his situation changes. Um, his relationships change slightly. But he's, he's kind of the same John Marston he is from start to finish. Which, again, is still a really likable and interesting character. Where Arthur Morgan changes so completely because of the circumstances in a way that I've never seen before. In a way that was so impactful to me at the time that nothing has kind of came close to that kind of arc shift where 
yeah, I, I don't want to get too much into it, but it, it's yeah. just really, it's just really good storytelling. You build these really incredible relationships throughout this game, and Arthur and John's is just one. But you have this whole camp of these fully formed, interesting characters with histories and back and backstories who you go on missions with and learn more about them, and you mm-hmm. care for them, and then things happen that are so impactful and interesting. We kind of talked about this a little bit when I was talking about Valhalla, where you know a character died, and the fact that everyone reacted felt so meaningful in that game. Everything that happens to these characters feels that way in this game. So it, Valhalla, it happened that one time, and it was so impactful. Every single character, you feel that way in this game. If something happens to them, or you're trying to... Arthur is just this character who loves all of these people so much and wants to do everything he can for them, but he's just pulled in so many ways and he's trapped in a world that his way of life is no longer acceptable. That makes sense. It's 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 very interesting. I, I and actually it, it it's so funny. I, I I say this as a joke, or I say this like as a funny thing to say, but it also makes sense to me more now. I read the story forever ago when Red Dead Two came out that some there's some guy who was dumped by his girlfriend because uh, he may or may not have yelled out a name of a character from a dead two, a female <laughs> character, uh, during an intimate moment with his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. I guess that really upset her. So, I mean, <laughs> going back to what you're saying, the fact that this game, it sounds like this game really does a good job of building relationships and making you mm-hmm. care about them. So that's kind of where it made me think about this story. But I like that these relationships are meaningful and, mm-hmm. and they're able to kind of craft and weave that that dynamic into these relationships for you because then when something happens it's so much more impactful for you as a person mm-hmm. it's, it's very very cool i need to play this game Ugh, yeah it's it, but it is it's a big undertaking but it's 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 a really incredible game um i love it so much it it, it was it, i played it at the beginning of 2020 both this and god of war i played back to back um, and I'm, oh, wow. I still go back to forth on which back and forth on which one I like the most because I love them both so much. But Eric, you want to tell us about your your first uh, relationship in games? Uh, yeah, so the game I picked first, and again, no spoilers. So this is a newer game, so I don't want to like actually say something that spoils everything. That game is The Last of Us Part Two, and why I bring that up is because before this game even came out, everyone knew that Ellie was a lesbian through the the DLC Left Behind for the first game. Ellie's sexuality is, is kind of explored more in this game through relationships with people and how some people see her compared to other people, but also in this very intimate relationship that she has with someone in this game. And like, if you've seen the trailers, you probably already know. If you play the game, obviously you already know. But what I like so much about it is that in this game, you see this kind of normalized instance of this relationship and just how normal it is. And I'm not saying that no, I'm not saying that that a lesbian relationship isn't normal. That's not what I'm saying. But what I feel like, from my perspective, at least, I don't, I never see it in media. Like, I never see. It's always kind of more dramatized. I feel like because it's, it's like you know, it's entertainment. It is what it is. I feel like the best, I, the best example I can think of is that show The Fosters. I don't know if you know what show this is, Ryan. I had to watch it for college once. Um, but it's, it's this family, uh, and, and these two women uh, foster a lot of uh, children. And there's a lot of drama involved and things like that. The point is, though, is that there's a point in this game where you see Ellie and a partner that she has, and it's just this normal life that they live. It's just so cool to see it, just normal, and it's like it's like any other relationship you would see on any other kind of media. And I, I just love how you see the love they have for each other, and just how it just it just flows. I don't know how else to describe it. I'm doing a really poor job explaining this. I think if people play this game or they know what I'm talking about, they know it. I'm just trying not to spoil it, so I'm rambling at this point. But you kind of know. Anyway, that's my example. So Ryan, what is your second game that you like to talk about? My second game, and my second game, I believe, is also your second game, but we picked two different relationships in this game. My second game is Uncharted. I chose Nate and Solly. I think their relationship is so interesting, and kind of what we just talked about, and what am I playing? What have we been playing? I'm, I'm playing Uncharted 3 now. We're really kind of seeing this relationship played out. This game, and, and again, this company, that Naughty Dog, does such a great job kind of exploring characters and have, helping them feel like fully formed characters. Um, and Nate and Sully are the same way. Nate is this, we, we have a really clear idea of who Nate is from playing these games. This kind of reckless, very lucky, caring individual who is just kind of doing what he does best, which is trying to find treasure and go on adventures in the world. And then you have Sully, who kind of is his father surrogate for reasons that are explored in the game, who kind of finds him when he when Nate is kind of wandering and lost and kind of sets him on a path to where he becomes who he is today because of Sully. And ultimately, Sully does this because he wants what's best for him, and he wants him to have a better life 
than he did, and, and he wants to kind of foster those skills that he knows Nate has and has developed and, and set him in a direction. And we see over the course of the games this relationship change over time and shift and change. So Sully is kind of all Nate has, especially for the first game. There are these other relationships out there, but as more people come into Nate's life and kind of fill these gaps, Sully kind of comes in and out, but Sully is always there to help him. He's always, when Nate calls, no matter what, he comes and helps save him and help help does what he needs to do. Um, but at the same time, he's kind of pushing him in in this, in Uncharted 3 in particular, where I'm not going to spoil it, but effectively he believes Nate is kind of going too far or he's willing to risk too much for whatever it is he's going after. And he's trying to convince him to like, you know, let's focus. Let's think about what is important and what, whether this not, this is worth putting everyone at risk. And we kind of, and I really like that progression. And again, it's this relationship of these two male characters who, that are caring, they care about each other. They still aren't doing a great job of communicating those feelings. They care about each other and they're 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 doing things for each other and they're willing to do whatever they need to for each other i mean if you look at in our in our episode we covered it uncharted one where nate believes sully has died the reaction to that versus kind of the relationship here feels so different um nate nate was certainly upset but not nearly as upset as you would think he would be after what happens in this game or the experiences in this game so I think it's just, again, a really good and a really interesting relationship between these two characters who um, take care of each other, and um, it's kind of a father figure to Nate. I, I like, I like you said, without spoiling too much or anything on this game, there is this like this uh, paternal relationship between these two, and and you're right. I actually never thought about this. How in Uncharted One, which we we recorded before, Nate doesn't. He's upset, obviously, but he's not too upset. <laughs> he's not like crying and like, oh my god, I lost like my father. You know, like, it's very, and, and I think it's kind of normal in games that with sequels, you don't really know where the direction is at the time and, and, you know, what the focus is. So, but it's so interesting how these two people, they almost have like this, I always tell like, so I, I do therapy a lot with kids and I work with parents and how to be better parents and stuff like that. And I always tell parents, there's, there's two options you can take. You can be a parent or you can be a friend to your kid. You know, there's, there's only really one good answer <laughs> to this when, when your kid's young and you're trying to be a parent. And, and that's to be the parent. And I said parent a lot, but the point is that you can't be a friend and be a parent at the same time. The only time you can ever really be a friend to your kid is like after they have grown up and they have moved out and they are living their lives. And that's what I see with Nate and Sully. Nate has is, is grown up, he's this adult that Sully's technically kind of raised, and Sully doesn't really have to be the parent anymore. He can kind of be that friend. He's still like his like quote unquote parent figure, his father figure. But he's more of like this friend role where they can joke around and be funny and, and you know, they they just trust each other and that's really cool to me. So Eric, what is your what is your next uh, your next relationship? I took the easy way out. <laughs> and I, picked, <laughs> I picked Nate and Elena ob- yeah. for obvious reasons. You know, I like Chloe a lot more, I think, than Elena. I like Elena a lot, don't get me wrong, oh, but really? I think Chloe's just more fun. Yeah. Um, I would have enjoyed to see that kind of more fleshed out, but I I mean, I see that now. If I had after Uncharted 2, I felt that way. I was like, I wish we had seen more things with Chloe and Nate to see where that relationship could have gone. But knowing where it ends up at the end of Uncharted 4 and what, everything that happens, I'm very happy with Nate and Elena. Don't get me wrong. Um, but with Nate and Elena, it's so interesting because like they always seem that they're on different pages. Their overall goals are kind of the same, but I feel like in their journey, they're on different... like Their, their, their overall morals and kind of perspectives actually are very different from each other he's is always seems to be willing to risk more than elena i would argue until the point where like they have to question what what is nate's overall goal here in, in life is it to continue to adventure and to put himself at risk or is it to settle down and to you know be a be a family you know and, and start something like that uh so i just think that uncharted for as much as it is this game where nate is murdering <laughs> so many people um it does like, like every naughty game uh naughty dog game it does a really good job at building relationships and showing kind of this realness in relationships and these very crazy situations so as nate is going through and solving agent puzzles and finding this lost treasure and crazy uh, monkey people and stuff he and elena are having these kind of very real relationship dynamics and relationship discussions that kind of I feel like all couples have to go through in their in the course of their relationship but just it's it's just funny that they're these moments are happening to them in these crazy instances which is what I really like the overall dynamic though it just shows that he cares 
by the end of spoilers, I'm gonna say spoilers, just so I can talk freely, because it's really hard not to give spoilers when you're talking about something. So spoilers for Uncharted 4, don't listen to this, skip ahead. But what I really like is that at the end of the day, Nate and Elena come together. You know, Nate really has to reconcile with what he wants with his future. And so they come together and, and Nate really does show her, like, which is important in any relationship. If you plan on sticking this through, you need to show that you mean what you say. And he really does with Elena and ends up, you know, living happily ever after, hopefully. We don't know if Uncharted 5 is ever coming out. Or if it will be that walking simulator that Ryan wants so desperately. Between he and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I think that they and really just re- they are the a good representation of the everyday relationship, just in really funny, strange situations. So, yeah, um, yeah. Do you have any thoughts on them? Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, this is a relationship that I, I really like, especially now that I'm, I'm as I'm replaying these games. You you see this dynamic change and shift. Um, and one of the things I like most about them is that Nate and Elena are two completely different individuals. Like, Elena has her own success um, and her own drives in the world, and Nate does as well. But they care about each other so much, they're willing to compromise those things. They're willing to compromise those things. You know, Nate's, um, by the start of Uncharted 4, is, you know, no longer going off and adventuring. And Elena, instead of doing this kind of intense journalism, is writing, like, travel guides. So they've, they're both kind of, they're compromised what they wanted in order to have this life together. In Uncharted 4, they explore this relationship. Like, a big part of the Uncharted games is those relationships. So you see that over Uncharted 2, the dynamic between Nate and Chloe, which they care about each other, but they just kind of really like to have fun and go on adventures together. And as soon as Elaine is in danger, you see this shift in Nate in, in how intense he cares for Elaine and how worried he is. And you find out that, you know, Elaine is the one who dumped Nate, right? And he went off and did his own thing because Elena didn't want to be with him and, and left him behind. And, and he's still kind of dealing with that when he sees her in Uncharted 2. And then they go through this really intense experience together that brings them closer together. And then we, we see this dynamic shift and change. Ryan, we have covered all of Uncharted. <laughs> what is your third game that you would like to touch on? So this is one that didn't come to mind. And I think the reason it didn't come to mind right away is because... It isn't something that I had thought about or necessarily represents my the relationships I've had, so it didn't jump out at me. But as as I thought more about it, it, it felt so meaningful. So the game Outer Worlds, um, which is by the folks who made Fallout, um, is has these two characters, Jun Lee and um, Pavati. Uh, Pavardi. Pavati? And sorry, goes Ryan's looking this up right now, but uh, also... They, they played. They made New Vegas. Just to make sure. Just for context. Yeah, they made the, they made the good fallouts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, yeah, it's Parvati. 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 Yeah. Uh, Parvati. Who is who is voiced by Ashley Birch? Who does an incredible job? She is like your first companion in this world. She is your first friend in this world. Um, when you first arrive on this strange planet and you go through all these adventures, she is your first kind of friend and she's such she's such an amazing character she feels so fully formed she's so like kind and wonderful in this kind of scary tragic world and after you kind of build up a relationship with her she eventually shares with you that she's asexual which means she isn't sexually attracted to others and she has no desire for that kind of sexual or physical relationship which again similar to ellie just to be able to see i've never seen an asexual character in media before and to see this this represented was so interesting and then you get to this point in the game where she eventually, um, Parvati shares that like she's really interested. She she really cares about this person, but she's terrified that because she is asexual, this person won't be interested in her and won't be able to care about her and won't be able to love her. And it's you helping her through this experience and helping her kind of court this person because they 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 have similar interests and they have kind of this chemistry together. And again, it's 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 another woman, so it's a a same sex asexual relationship. Which, again, just really important that more of these things are portrayed so people who feel this way can feel represented in the world. But so you see this character, and over the course of a couple missions, you help them kind of grow together. And all throughout this, um, Parvati is is kind of communicating her fear that this person, once they, once the, once they get together, this person is going to want something sexual. They're going to want a physical relationship, and that's just not something that she wants or is interested in. And this kind of fear that she's communicating is something that I've, I've just never seen before and never really understood before. But the fact that it's represented in this really interesting character helps you connect and have this compassion. And in the end, they, they spoilers for um, this, this side mission of this game, 
in the end, if you make certain choices, it, they they do end up together, and they end up um, kind of it's this compromise where she's like, you know, we both really cared about each other and we both really, really want to be together. So we're going to try and work it out because Jun Lee isn't asexual. She she has the sexual attractions and she has that desire for physical attraction. So you have these two characters who have these very different desires out of a relationship who are willing to work together to, to make it work. And then in the game, it's represented as a success and they end up happily ever after. And just to see that relationship change over time and them overcome this, this challenge that I've never even thought about, that I'm sure some people, you know, have this big fear of and have to go through of, you know, you care about someone, you want to be with somebody, but they want something that you just can't give them and how you work through that. And in the end, they, they find a way to work it out and they, they end up together. And I think um, Parvati says at the end, she's like, and she said, maybe she wants to give me a shoulder rod, which I think I might might be okay with. Like, that's the extent of what she's comfortable with, right? Is to have somebody else touch her shoulders, which is just this this dynamic that is so interesting and so wonderfully done. And and again, just opened my eyes as a, as a cis-normative heterosexual male um, to, to other, other relationships out there and how challenging those can be and how hard, much harder it is to just exist, um, if you're not kind of part of that normative structure. But it, it's just a really good story. Um, these two kids, just, this is just a small piece of, of, of a larger story, but these, this, this relationship is so interesting and, and really great. But I think the viewpoint of being asexual is so foreign to me because I'm just not, obviously, I don't know anyone that is. So this sounds fantastic as a way to, to kind of learn what that means for somebody. It sounds like they really did their homework with kind of learning how to incorporate this in their game and to represent it in a very realistic and respectful way. So I this this makes me want to play this game in terms of like learning learning this in a sense. I would love to kind of gain that perspective. But Eric, what's your what's your next relationship in, in video games? Um, I'm going to combine two. So then I want to do two games really fast. Because they're kind of the same thing in terms of like the way these relationships work. And that's Dead Space and Shadow of the Colossus. And why I'm combining these two games is because I think relationships and the love that these main characters have for their significant others, the people that they really care about, is the is the main driving force of the game, right? So in Dead Space, again, spoilers. I'm going to keep saying it because I'm just terrified. Someone's the only thing got spoiled. In Dead Space, Isaac Miles is the main character, and he goes off to the USG Ishimura, which is a spaceship in space, obviously, and to save his girlfriend because she sent him a really weird, creepy message, and he's very not sure what happens. And obviously, all hell breaks loose, and he has to fight through all these monsters to try to save her. And what I love, and then and then to shadow that, <laughs> shadow, is Shadow of the Colossus, uh, where the Wanderer is going and climbing these giant colossi and killing them to save the woman that he loves from with the help of this demon who wants him to, to kill these colossi and so why i'm combining these two games is that we literally see these two people throughout their game so isaac will see nicole walking around the ship and telling him what he needs to do and then the wanderer will see his girlfriend on this pedestal at this temple it's like where you go to every time after you kill the colossi and when you learn of where to go next you see here so they're like, they're like these like physical representations of like what you're striving towards helping and that love that these characters have for these people are the main driver and why they're going through these really challenging and i mean at least in isaac's case horrific experiences and just kind of like that that mentality how love conquers all is kind of what i feel from these two games isaac's main driving force and and kind of going through the usg shimura killing all these necromorphs so that she's like morphed grotesque humans or dead humans to save Nicole and how the Wanderer is going and killing these giant colossi which are like you know huge like they they are just massive and he has to climb on them and stab them in certain parts it's very meticulous and very hard and every time he does it, he gets a little bit weaker it, it just shows how like love will make these people do crazy things and how strong that bond is between these these characters and their significant others and just it's it just I think that's something that everyone can relate to in a sense. Is always that one person that will will go a little bit further for and do we do might do something we never thought we could because their well being is on the line. My thoughts are like you know donating a kidney or like a, a bone marrow transplant or you know crazy things that you never thought you'd have to do, but like you you have to to save this person that you care about. And that's what I get a lot from Dead Space and Shadow of the Colossus is is how love is this major driving force. It can make you do crazy amazing things and they can make you do horrible horrific things and how multifaceted the idea of of what love is 
So uh, do you get anything from these two games at all, Ryan? I mean, I think the biggest thing I get from them and, and kind of from all of these is just like how much this idea of relationships and love is such core to who we are as humans that it's represented in so many different ways in this medium that we love so much. And it, and it takes up so many different forms where, like you said, it, these characters are are doing really crazy things for the one they love and us as people are like yeah that makes sense that's what you do for someone you care about it's not we're not like taken aback by this is nuts why would this person do this we we are we accept that this is just something that you do for someone you care about and that's because of kind of who we are as humans also like the what what media and culture tells us about love but to see it represented in this medium in such a robust way is just always so interesting yeah, it really is. I, I just, I, I love how you can you can relate. Again, it's almost like Nate and Elena in a sense, but in terms of like, you don't see this relationship unfolding and growing. You just know that there is something here with these people that the main character, you know, the main character understands why this is important. You don't, and that's what kind of you, you're gaining from these experiences. More so in Dead Space than Shadow of the Colossus. You really don't ever find out what the Wanderer and Mono is the girl's name that he's trying to save. You don't really know much about the relationship, but for Isaac and... and Nicole and Dead Space, you kind of understand that there's more there, and you kind of can learn a little bit through the the, the written di- the written diary things that Isaac has in the game, why she's so important, and you learn later on in other games too, more so. Um, but I just love how like there's baggage there, and you know that that baggage is why we're going and doing this thing. As crazy as like I oh, I would never go into a spaceship and kill monsters for this girl. I don't know. But, that, but then again, you're not doing it for yourself. You're, you're Isaac and you're doing that. And that's the driving force. And that's why it's so cool to me. So, yeah. Ryan, what is the next game you'd like to touch on? Uh, so the, the game next time I want to touch on is a game we've covered, um, uh, which is which is Firewatch. Um, and that relation between like Henry and Delilah, that kind of intimate relationship that is kind of fleeting and temporary. Um, but they share so much about what's going on in each other's lives. They're really intimate in that way. Um, they, they recognize each other's faults and support each other to try to help each other through those things. Um, and again, it, 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 to me, at least, and, and I think we're in agreement there, it never felt like it was a, a sexual or a, a, a relationship beyond that kind of a really intimate friendship. Um, and, and it was just so meaningful in that game. And I think, again, it's, it's relatable, this, this, this kind of relationship with, I mean, I'm not somebody who ever went to camp, like a sleepaway camp or anything like that. But this idea of you, you go away somewhere and you're only there for a brief period of time and this this desire, you you meet somebody there and you're like, well, we could have something. Knowing it's temporary, we could have something. But knowing that it, it has like a timeline when it ends and there's like a romanticism to that that I think is is is, is kind of what Henry and Delilah are experiencing. Um, but again, I think the, the extent of it is just this kind of intimate friendship where they both care a lot about each other and they've gone through this experience together and now they have this bond but again, it's it's at the end of that summer, it's gone. And as far as we know, they don't ever see each other again, or they never even see each other the first time. It's not one where they end up together or where there's anything beyond that kind of love over distance, but that intimate. Yeah, I think I think it does a really good job at showing that intimacy can be done through distance or, or how like, it doesn't have to be this physical thing that is kind of giving you the intimacy that you need in a relationship. Um, cause that's something that some people just need it, it, by itself is just that just to, to feel cared for more so than the physical part of it which is which is fine if that's what people want that's that's totally cool um, and I, I, I like how for this game it sets up this idea that like these people have to be romantically involved or like you just I mean I, for me personally I immediately thought these people are too are romantically involved and I would even argue that they, I don't know if I would say they were romantically involved, but there's really this like kind of intimacy in terms of their relationship in which they're supporting each other through these, this, this journey they're both having. And I love that there's like a time limit. I like that it's this idea that they, they both know this is going to end sooner rather than later. And what does that mean for them? And, they, and, and we've covered this episode, so I feel like it's okay to, to kind of talk more about this at this point. So if you haven't listened to the episode, please go listen to it. We would really appreciate it. Um, is that, you know, I think they come to terms with that and they're okay with it. Which is so cool. It's not this this horrific like, what was me? This sucks that we have to be split apart. They they've kind of gained something through this journey, and now they're moving on from it. And I think it's something that they'll never forget. But it's okay that they're they're separating, and, and that 
it doesn't have to be this negative thing. It can be this positive thing. They've experienced a lot together. They have this like kind of intimacy through this, this summer together and now they're going to move on. They've grown from it and that's okay just to kind of move on and, and hopefully one day they see each other. But if not, it is what it is. And that's, that's really cool. Yeah, and I, I really like with these, with the last two of my, or at least the, the last two that I shared, the Outer Worlds and the Firewatch one, the characters in this are not hesitant at all about being intimate. They talk and talk to each other and care about each other and they share things. They're willing to let other people into their lives and let other people into parts of themselves that they might not show to others. And that kind of helps you, them create this really strong bond where Nate and Sully and Arthur and John. They don't let this, they don't have that same intimacy, and the relationships are still important and worthwhile, but they're very different than, than these other two. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. It's cool that there's so many different kinds of intimate relationships. It doesn't have to be this, this over-sexualized idea of what it has to be, which is totally cool. I mean, I think it was like, I think it, we've done a really good job as a society to change that viewpoint and what that looks like. and. and media and just kind of everyday life which is really cool because i feel like back in the 90s like if you like i mean granted i was a kid so i really would have no idea but if i was my age now and i'd be living through the 90s i feel like someone asked me what an intimate relationship would be it'd be this kind of like heteronormative idea of love and 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 i'm glad i don't feel that way anymore (laughs) i'm glad it's like it's just so cool how we can just see different facets of what it means to be intimate with somebody it's very very cool yeah uh so i changed my Next oh, one. <laughs> that's fine. I originally was gonna do Final Fantasy X with Titus and uh, uh, Yuna, but that was too easy. <laughs> Everybody knows about that one. What I will say though, really fast about Final Fantasy X and X two, what I like about those games. And spoiler alert: at the end of ten, Titus disappears and he's kind of dead and stuff like that. Actually, I don't really quite understand it. To be honest with you, but at the end of ten two, if you one hundred percent the game like me, like I did it in one winter because I was bored out of my mind as a kid, and you one hundred percent ten two, Titus comes back, and I just love the dynamic that you know really does change herself in this. And she really has changed as a person throughout these whole games, and at the end of the bit, still is in love with Titus, and he comes back, and they're happily ever after. Really cool to me. Anyway, I got rid of that one. <laughs> that was too easy. Uh, instead, just talking about all these different forms of uh, love and, and intimate relationships, I changed mine on the fly. Now I put <laughs> I put in Majora's Mask, and here's why. <laughs> I talk way too much <laughs> about Majora's Mask in this episode. No, no such why, thing. Yeah, I, oh, you're telling me. I believe I fully believe that. Why Why I put that one down is because we were talking about so many different forms of intimate relationships that each one we we're talking about really reminded me of Majora's Mask. The whole idea. Now, spoilers for this 21 year old game. Don't at me. <laughs> you had your chance. Uh, spoilers for this game, but um, the main reason why Link is on this journey is that he's trying to find Navi, his his fairy that he had with him in Ocarina of Time. And essentially, they, are, they, they grew so close, but for unknown reasons, Navi has to leave. And, and Link doesn't know why. And he's so heartbroken over this that he has to find her. And he goes everywhere and anywhere in hopes that he can find her again. And the love that he has for this person, for this fairy, is so strong that he's willing to to journey to find her again, which leads him down this rabbit hole of this adventure of Majora's Mask, landing in Termina and and kind of experiencing all these things on his adventure. But why love is so important in the story is that it's like the main driving force of everything in the story, right? So if we, if we break down each relationship we kind of see throughout the journey, like for the very first one is, is the Deku Scrub, the unnamed Deku Scrub, that you see in the very beginning of the game is kind of all twisted and morphed, morphed and dead and has a single tear in his eye and you're like, what the heck is this thing? And meeting the butler at, at Deku Palace who's asking you, hey, like, have you seen my son at all? I haven't really seen him in a while. And you're kind of like, oh, crap. Like, I'm pretty sure I know where your son is and I don't want to be the one to tell you. And again, spoilers at the end of this game, you see the butler with his supposed child, or pretty sure it's the child, and he's weeping next to him. And he's 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 weeping and he's sad because his child is dead and and the love that he shared is is, is gone and in this moment of happiness when you beat this game you you beat Majora's Mask everyone's celebrating but but this one instance of of sadness really kind of jars you out of this happy moment because you know that not everything's going to be happy at the end of a journey you know at, like. You really have to know this game. If you don't know this game at all, I'm really sorry. You're probably really bored. I apologize. If you do, then hopefully you're jiving with this. But the happy mask salesman at the end of this game says something along the lines of, you know, with every with every hello comes a goodbye. 
and usually it's sooner rather than later or something along those lines and i think that really speaks to a lot of things about relationships so like as everyone's celebrating the end of this game right the end of this journey that the Deku butler is weeping over his son there's Darmani, Darmani. there's Darmani, the goron who is dead and who who want, who loves his son and his people so much that he bargains with Link to come back to life. He's like, please bring me back to life. I'll do anything for these people that I care about so much. You know, the baby's crying because it misses his father, and and that love that they share. And there's also uh, Maiku, the, Maiku the Zora, who loves Lulu the Zora and is dying on this beach because he wants to save her eggs because they're fish people. Don't I mean it's weird. I know, but that's what, you know. It's just fish people. Who cares? And you know, he's, he's dying on this beach and he loves her so much that he's willing to do whatever he can to, to help her. And so my main point in all this is that we see all these different forms of love and all these relationships and, and what that kind of represents for each person, whether it's a good ending or a bad ending. We even see it for uh, Anju and Kafei, uh, I guess is how you pronounce the, the characters in the game. How, you know, one has been turned into a child, one is an adult, and the child is, is actively trying to avoid her because he doesn't know how to go back to her, given that he's now a child again. But that love that he has for her, eventually they do come back together again. And it's just so many cool, fun ways to see these dynamics of love, especially in a Zelda game. I feel like Ocarina of Time is kind of missing that aspect of it. And, and, and it's just so interesting how... And again, you can even say this for the... The skull kid in the game his love for the four giants led him down this evil path of finding majora's mask and being this huge jerk and it's just how you know love can make you do amazing things and love can make you do awful horrific crash the moon down into the world things and how interesting that is <laughs> i mean the, the main theme that i get personally from this game and i think that is, is you're supposed to kind of learn from this game is that regardless of where you are with someone you're always gonna be their friend you can always be their friend like even though navi's gone she and Link will always be close. They'll always be friends. Even when Link befriends the Skull Kid at the end of the game and the Skull Kid's like, let's go play. And the Happy Master's like, Link, you know you need to go. Like, even with every hello comes a goodbye, you know you have to go. And the Skull Kid understands that. He's like, we'll always be friends. You know, and, and that's kind of like the, this idea that love kind of conquers all, that regardless of where you are, as long as you care for this person, then, you know, then that will continue through. And that's what shows... I think we all have that kind of friendship where like you cannot talk for a long time then you meet together and it's just like old times again like you never like you just pick up right where you left off it's not weird anymore and it's like it's just and that's kind of what i get from this so yeah ryan i think it's last game is this the last game that we're yeah about? last oh, last okay. one mm -hmm. cool and what is your last game it's a good one i like this yeah one. my my last game is hades i'm um, talking about uh, zagreus and nyx I, I was trying to think of in in all of these different relationships that we were covering and that we've we've seen in this media is kind of a, a parental relationship and we see these a lot in games but i wanted one that wasn't like full of tragedy and trauma and and this is there is still some there but not between nix and zagreus nix cares so much for zagreus um and is willing to just put herself in in difficult situations or do whatever she needs to because she cares so much about him and and she recognizes that she's not his birth mother but she's raised him and she will do anything for him similar that she just like she's done for her other children she's willing to kind of bend the rules and put herself in harm way and put zagreus on this path eventually he he finds something that satisfying or something that he was looking for and this relationship is so meaningful and and within the first few sentences the first conversation between nix and zagreus you know that they both care for each other so much and over the course of the game, Zagreus helps Nyx, um, you know, repair other relationships in her life. And there's this really meaningful way um, that I think is, is, is interesting, both because she is not his birth mother, but she has still raised him and she is still her parent and cares for him. And Zagreus is lucky enough to have multiple of these individuals in his life. And all of them are as meaningful. There's not an evil mom and a, and a good mom out there somewhere, right? They're, they are all good and they're all meaningful and they all have something to give him in his life. And this, this idea that even though they're this big, strange, dysfunctional family in some ways, especially those who live in the underworld are so close and care so much about each other um, that it makes it really meaningful. Yeah, yeah. And, and big spoilers right now, um, if you don't mind if I talk. No, um, please, go for it. We learned the the dynamics in which Nick's, or the circumstances in which Nick's, like, 
so Zagreus is essentially a stillborn, and that's why his mom, uh, Persephone, leaves, right? And then the stress, like, I can't handle this kind of thing. But Nyx uses all of her power and does it for, like, uh, like you know, she, she really, like, puts all her effort in for a significant amount of time, I can't remember exactly how long, to bring him back, you know? And then she raises him as her own, and but but is is not too proud to encourage him to find his birth mother and you know and again big spoilers when his mom comes back when Persephone comes back it's not this weird like I'm his mom you're not thing they just they both recognize that you know they are this this motherly figure towards Zagreus and there's no competition there it's just it's just love which is really cool I'm glad that there was this creepy weird dynamic they actually really both Persephone and Nyx really care about each other and they're, they're really close friends and, and they both love Zagreus and they care about him as a, as a motherly figure and I think that's super cool. Um, I love that they didn't make it this weird thing that it was this, it would become a competition because that just doesn't, it doesn't seem like that's in their character and I'm glad that they didn't go through that. So it's really cool. It's such a good game, such a game. This sometimes feels like the most fantastical parts of these games are just how wonderful all of these characters are, how kind yeah, and loving yeah. they are in such this really meaningful way. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. Even with Nyx and her, I guess parental figure whose name I can't remember. It's like the chaos or whatever. Chaos, yes, yeah. is it chaos? Yeah, yeah. yeah Primordial right. chaos. Um, even they have an estranged relationship that kind of grows and and becomes closer. And it's not like a typical relationship at all. They're very still very kind of like it's this kind of weird dynamic. They have kind of differing personalities. Even though they're, I would say their their personalities are very unique in in their own. So these two very unique personalities coming back together, but they, but you kind of hear through their dialogue and as they talk to you that they're trying their best to build this relationship again, and that's just so cool to, to hear. Like, there has to be, there doesn't have to be this kind of crazy um, drama behind it. It's just like yeah, we've kind of fell off and now we're coming back together and we're trying. You even see that with Zagreus and Hades, you know, and and how Hades struggles as a parental figure. He really struggles. Uh, with his with his personality and being a father, again it grows, and you see him trying to be better, and that's such a cool dynamic. But yeah, so much of what makes Hades such an incredible game, the gameplay is wonderful, is that the relationships are the story, right? The there is no larger arc other than just trying to repair and bring people back together and, and reform those relationships, and it just such a such a great job of of doing it. Yeah, it's amazing. It's. It does a, a fantastic job at, at building relationships. I would say that this game, this roguelike game, is like on par, if not better, than AAA games that do relationships really well. I would say it, it may even be better. So it's really, yeah, it's 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 so good. It's uh, play Hades. If you, I mean, we keep talking about it so much. Play Hades. If you haven't played Hades, just play Hades. You'll like it. You'll like it. You'll just like it. <laughs> so for my last game, I have decided to go with a god of war and i think this one's really special because we never actually see i'm well i'm focusing on the relationship between kratos and and again spoilers for the game if you haven't played god of war it's relatively the newest one 2018 one please don't listen to this as play the game for yourself first it's a fantastic game but i am focusing on the relationship between kratos and Faye, his wife his second wife um and the dynamic in which the relationship exists in the game what's interesting about this dynamic is that actually Faye has already passed on. She is she is dead in the game, the very beginning of the game. But what I love about this, this uh, relationship is that it turned Kratos from this huge a-hole into this redeemable person. This person who actually wants to be better. Who is trying to control the rage that he has so desperately been unable to control his whole life, I think. And I mean, we see it in the very beginning of the game when he's chopping down the tree with Faye, oh, seemingly Faye's handprint on it and he puts his hand on it and he's kind of like taking that moment to reflect and how deep and personal it is for someone who before couldn't even control themselves and killed so many people in the past. So I just found it super interesting that, that Kratos and Faye's relationship was so deep and meaningful and intimate that it was able to change him into a better person or, and actually motivate him to want to be a better person, not only for uh, her, but also their child, Atreus. So I found that just to be super interesting. And the fact that she's not even present in the game, the only image we ever see of her is this depiction of her on a, uh, a carving on the wall. And so, but even so, her importance is so interval 
to Kratos's wanting to be better. I think that's what really shows the, the how how love and intimacy can make someone better. And I would argue that maybe don't wait for that to come to you to try to be a better person. Actively try to be a better person uh, before that. You know, don't hope that someone's going to change you for the better. Want to change yourself first. But at the same time, you know, relationships can make people better by being open to that change, which somehow Kratos was. So I just found it super interesting that not only did Kratos and Faye have a, a seemingly good relationship, but that relationship kind of carries on through Kratos and Atreus' relationship and Kratos wanting to be better for his son, for Faye. So Ryan, you played God of War. Did you, did you find that interesting between Kratos and his wife? Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I think it's just such a meaningful relationship and it seemed like he really wanted to make that change because of because of their relationship. Whatever it was, like, again, we don't there's a lot left unsaid we don't get to see what their relationship is like together we're just kind of experiencing the aftermath of that relationship and and who kratos is because of that relationship uh, but yeah I, I think it's really powerful and and i think with all of these games i never realized how important these relationships were to the experience in and to every single one of these stories which i think is really interesting just the idea that this it doesn't have to be this this back and forth between the, the couples for it to be this meaningful and deep relationship it can be that one person doesn't have that person anymore doesn't have their significant other anymore and how that is a huge impact on themselves and the motivations they have throughout a story i think is very i i would say oftentimes it's it, not oftentimes but i think it can be even more meaningful whereas you know if comparatively to a like a like a nate and elena story i feel like I feel like it is very meaningful, but I feel that the Kratos' and Faye story is more meaningful to me, personally. So, but yeah, yeah, those are the games that we have picked, and hopefully you guys are jiving with that. There's there's so many. There really is a whole lot, and I I kind of based on the ones I've played, but I'm sure there's... I, I think someone's probably screaming at their, their speakers, like, why not Catherine? Catherine's a perfect example, and I just haven't played Catherine. I think it'd be... Yeah, we, it's fun. I would like to play one day, and I'm sure it would be a fantastic play. There's always next February. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, Storygoers, if you have any thoughts, feelings, and or perspectives, please let us know. Comment on our post, DM us, or email us to talesfromthecartridge at gmail.com. All of the E's are threes. We will happily read those perspectives in the next episode. And before we go, we will break down our calendar for the month of February. Ryan, you want to start us off? Uh, we have a lot of exciting things coming in February. The first thing you're listening to for the month of February is obviously this DLC episode. So February is going to be one where we're not going to have a guest for February. That February guest is going to be in March. So you might get two guests in March. You might just get one guest in March. We'll have to wait and see. But yeah, so um, the first thing you'll be hearing in February is this DLC. Yeah, so after the DLC episode, we are going to be releasing a special episode that we did for our friends at the First Encounter podcast. Uh, we gave we made an episode for them in January, and we were so happy with it. We really wanted to release it for ourselves as well. Uh, and that game is Odd World, and that will be coming out on February eighth. And we really had a good time with it. It's a game that neither of us had ever experienced or played or knew anything about, uh, as you'll hear in the episode. But it was like a really fun read, just between the two of us. We had a good good time. Um, it's a, a very special script that we wrote for it, and it was kind of just a different take on it. And I was really 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 proud of it. So. And then on February 15th, we are having another Bedtime Stories. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the end of Mario 64. We took a, a new approach without adding any sound effects because I, I was really kind of thinking about it and I can imagine how in trying to sleep, maybe a, there's a sound effect or two that might come through that might wake you up and I don't want that. I want this to be a relaxing thing. So we got rid of all the sound effects. I think, it, I liked, I, I think we both liked it more. So we're going to go with that. But any kind of input on that matter would be very much appreciated so yes on the on february 15th we are releasing bedtime stories uh for limbo the it'll be one parter one episode on limbo uh a lot of artistic liberties i think to kind of explain what's going on but i'm really excited <laughs> for it i think it's gonna yeah, be I'm good there's no what's cool about bedtime stories is that there's no it's mostly they're really good for stories without game or i'm sorry games without stories so we kind of get to like kind of the artistic liberty to kind of describe it on our own from our perspective and see how you know make a story out of that to the best that we can and i think it's gonna be a lot of fun so yeah we'll see about that. but 
Yeah, yeah. So uh, on the 22nd, Ryan, you want to talk about yeah, what do there? Yeah, so on the 22nd will be kind of a regular episode. Um, it's kind of our, our traditional episode, but we're going to, again, put a poll up. Um, so we'll put the poll up probably soon, probably next week. Um, but it'll be either the original Ratchet and Clank or the original Fallout, like old, old, old 1990s Fallout or the original Ratchet and Clank, which I think came out. Um, in the 2000s, in the mid mid to early 2000s, um, which were both, uh, yeah. So they're very different experiences, very different games. So yeah, you'll get to vote on those on our social media. So check out on Twitter and Instagram for that. Um, and, and make your voice be heard if you want to hear one. We'll, I'm sure, eventually do both of them someday. But if you're more excited for one than the other, please let us know um, so, we can, so we can do that. So yeah, that'll be on the 22nd. We'll be Fallout. This is a, a weird one because February is such a short... Um, month and then we'll have five 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 things in in march so so it goes but but yeah so that is our schedule we'll go through it one more time really fast so dlc comes out on the first which you're listening to now and oddworld comes out on the 8th of february bedtime stories limbo uh, will come out 15th and then our normal episode which is either fallout the original fallout or ratchet and clank will come out on the 22nd yeah please make sure to vote on that if you have a preference we would mm-hmm. happily like your input yeah. It makes more fun when people actually want. When we, when we know what people want to listen to, it makes it more fun too. We can all get together and, and synchronize on that. So yeah, that is our as our month looking forward, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Yeah, and we will see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.